Hey y'all, Eve's here. We're doubling up today with two events in history. One from me and one from former host Tracy V. Wilson. On with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's August 8th. The Battle of Amiens started on this day in 1918, which was the start of the last hundred days of World War I. A lot of World War I before this point was a stalemate along the Western Front. That stalemate had dragged on since 1914. Both sides had dug into these systems of trenches to try to give soldiers protection against the devastating weapons of machine guns and artillery. The trenches did protect the troops from the machine guns, but it also meant that once they were dug in, they couldn't go anywhere. They were sacrificing their mobility for their safety. So to try to move the line and to gain territory in this kind of a war, you had to assault the other side's trench across no man's land, which was the gap in between the trenches. Common tactic was to use a creeping barrage. This was artillery that was supposed to fall just ahead of the advancing infantry to provide some cover and to clear out the enemy. But a lot of times this didn't go as planned. The artillery would get too far ahead. It would basically serve as a warning or it would start too early and warn the other side of what was coming. Or it would tear up the ground so much that the soldiers couldn't get through effectively. Sometimes it fell short and it killed the advancing soldiers before they got to where they were going. In the Battle of Amiens, though, it combined all of the available military technologies that the Allies had into one coordinated assault that was not primarily a creeping barrage and an infantry advance. It built off an Allied success in an earlier battle that had taken place on July 4th, 1918, That had been planned out by Lieutenant General John Monash of Australia. Monash had been a civil engineer. He was not a career military man. And that fresh way of looking at things has been credited with the way that he approached this battle. He used fake troop movements, bogus radio transmissions, artillery, smoke shells, air support, and tanks all together. The tanks plowed through the Germans' barbed wire and they delivered supplies from behind the advancing infantry. The infantry later said it was the best supplied they had ever been in a battle. Some of the aircraft that they chose for this mission were old ones. They picked these on purpose because their engines were so loud that it would cover up the sound of the tanks. The Battle of Amiens was much the same. It attacked a bulging point in the German lines outside the city of Amiens which was a critical communication and railway hub. This attack brought together all of the military technologies that they had. There was air support, there was artillery, tanks, infantry. Canadian and Australian troops formed the spearhead for the advance onto the German lines in a war that had really been dominated by battles that dragged on for months and saw massive casualties in exchange for at most a few meters of land gained They advanced eight miles or 13 kilometers just on the first day. They liberated more than 100 towns and villages. They also captured a gun that had been used to shell the city of Amiens from a very long way away. Apart from the military success for the Allies, this attack revealed the terrible morale of the German army at this point. 
Quartermaster General Erich Ludendorff called this, quote, the black day of the German army in the history of the war. 12,000 German soldiers were taken captive, and there were huge numbers of reported surrenders. This win for the Allies launched the last hundred days of pushing the German army back toward Germany in what came to be known as the Hundred Days Offensive. It ultimately led to the November 11th, 1918 armistice and later the Treaty of Versailles that formally ended the war. Thanks to Tari Harrison for her audio skills on this podcast, and you can learn more about this battle on the August 6th, 2018 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class, which includes more about the aftermath and how this was also part of the lead-up to World War II. You can subscribe to this day in history class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Tune in tomorrow for the best of wives, the best of women, who was anything but helpless. Hi, everyone. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we uncover the remnants of history every day. The day was August 8th, 1988. In Myanmar, then known as Burma, nationwide strikes and protests sparked weeks of more protests that ended in September with a violent crackdown. The day's events became known as the 8888 Uprisings. In 1962, General Ne Win seized power in a military coup. For more than a decade following the coup, the country was under martial law. The government's ideology was the so-called Burmese way to socialism, and it turned a strong economy into a weak one. It increased the country's isolation, and it sent people into poverty. Corruption and police brutality were also big issues under the regime. In 1987, the government declared several large denominations of Myanmar's currency worthless, and a lot of people lost their savings. Civil unrest was escalating in opposition to the government and its repressive policies. Students, disaffected soldiers, workers, and Buddhist monks began staging demonstrations. Police often responded to the protests with force, as was the case on March 16, 1988, when riot police attacked students, killing dozens and arresting hundreds of people in an incident that became known as Red Bridge. The government then closed all schools and universities, which were later reopened. On July 23, Ne Win resigned as head of the Burma Socialist Program Party after months of growing protests. He promised a move toward multi-party democracy, but he appointed Sang Luen as his successor. Luen, a general known as the Butcher of Rangoon, declared martial law. Newspapers were openly anti-government. Neighborhoods set up defenses against the army and movement toward a massive general strike gained steam. A general strike was planned for August 8th, reportedly because the date was auspicious. On that day, hundreds of thousands of people participated in general strikes around the country. The protests were initially peaceful, but as they spread, the army was ordered to shoot to kill. Still, people continued to gather for protests. Luen resigned on August 12th, 
A week later, Dr. Maung Maung replaced him as president. Aung San Suu Kyi, now known as a politician and Nobel Peace Prize winner, gave her first major public speech at a rally on August 26th in Rangoon. As the demonstrations continued, so did the violence. On September 18th, General Sa Maung led a coup and a junta called the State Law and Order Restoration Council, or SLORC, took over. As the government ruled with terror and killed many demonstrators, many people fled to the borders or to Thailand or went into exile. The SLORC allowed political parties to register and the National League for Democracy emerged, with Su Chi as the general secretary. But she and other NLD members were rounded up, and she was put on house arrest, which she remained on, on and off, until 2010. Throughout all the 1989 demonstrations, thousands of protesters have been arrested or killed, though officials estimated the death toll at only 350 people. An election was held in 1990, and the National League for Democracy won most of the seats in the government. But the SLORC refused to recognize those results and continued to rule. Some people took up arms and planned to overthrow the junta, but military rule and political and ethnic conflict continued in the following years. I'm Eve Stefcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. We'd love it if you left us a comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at T-D-I-H-C Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back tomorrow for more delicious morsels of history. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.